0: Well, what a great morning. Happy Easter, everybody. So good to see you all today. Uh, I mean, this is a day to celebrate, isn't it? (laughs) This is a day to celebrate because Jesus is alive. (laughs) You know, he died, he paid the full price for our sin. He rose again, and even now he's seated at the right hand of God in the majesty on high, and he is victorious over all things. This is the hope that we have. This is the hope that we have because death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't contain him. The stone couldn't prevent him, the life that was in him was unstoppable, the power that raised him unquestionable, the love that he showed on the cross inexplicable, the victory that he won uncontestable, hallelujah, what a saviour, amen, Jesus we give you praise today, the living one. The victorious one, lo, Jesus greets us, risen from the tomb. Will you greet us? Jesus, will you show your life to us today? Will you share the life of your spirit with us today? The same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead now lives in us and now dwells amongst your people. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for that picture of doves just being led out of heaven. We invite the dove. Come and rest on us. Come and speak to us, Holy Spirit. Come and have your way with us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So that's what the hope is. That's the hope that we have in Easter. But the sad thing is, the reality is, that not everybody sees it this way. You know, the question of the resurrection of Jesus has been debated ever since it happened. I thought that was a good point. (laughs) You know, this must be some kind of trick, they say, some kind of deception that has ensnared generations of people. Nice idea, but surely any intelligent person will tell you that God, if he exists, is dead. And I've been wondering, I've been thinking about this, what is it that prevents so many? How is it That so few find the God who is love. And for those who do, why is it that so many come so late by the skin of their teeth in those last moments with their last breath, like the thief dying on the cross next to Jesus, finding mercy, but never having had the opportunity to live in the good of what they've found. Why? Why is it? We had a man who came to Christ just this year, literally just before he died. He came to Christ, he found peace, he had an encounter with God, it changed his life. And you know, his biggest regret is why didn't I do this long ago? Why have I wasted my life building money, building bank accounts, building possessions? Why can't I be spared to tell everybody what really matters? And you know what I think it is? I think it's because there's some big stones. There's some big stones in the way. It's a lot to do with stones. One's like the massive stone in front of Jesus' tomb on that Easter morning. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Real things that block our way to the resurrected Christ. Obstructions in our thinking. Objections to faith that come from life experience. Stones in our hearts that keep us from relationship with the one who loves us. The very reason he died for us, because he loved us. And there was a big stone that was troubling Mary and Mary on that first Easter morning on the way to the tomb. If you read in Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 4, it says here that the Sabbath day was over. And Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Who will roll away the stone at the entrance of the tomb? I mean, it was a really good question. It's something perhaps they should have thought about before they set out. I mean, if they'd been organized enough, they could have thought this through. I mean, this stone was really big. It was probably one or two tons in weight. In all likelihood, according to biblical archaeologists, it would have been wedged tightly into the cave like a corking in a bottle. And the stone was sealed so that any tampering would be obvious. And then there was the small matter of a group of fully armed Roman soldiers guarding the tomb. And so these ladies with their perfumes and spices had a problem. Who will move the stone? Who will move the obstruction so that I can get to Jesus? And it may be something that you're asking today, who will move my stone? Perhaps it's because you haven't met Jesus yet. You didn't even know he was alive. you kind of slightly bemused by everything that's happening around here today. You maybe have heard great stuff about him, uh, but you've wondered how you could ever get to know somebody who died 2,000 years ago. And for you, the big stone of his death has never been removed. And You need a revelation of his resurrection. You need to meet him now. You need to meet him. But then there are big stones that can get in the way of all of us. Big stones of our circumstances. Times when we live in the shadows instead of the sun. Sins that can overcome us. Disappointments that can overwhelm us. And we lose the imminence of his presence. The realization of his love. And so God feels distant from us. Anybody? Ever been through that? Just life gets in. And the nearness, the imminence of his presence just isn't there in the same way. Who? We'll move the stone. Of course, the women could have tried harder, you know They could have put a bit more effort into it. They could have rallied the disciples, got a few more people involved. They could have gone to some counselors. They could have tried a few different churches. They could have Googled a few more solutions. They should have asked a few more questions. You see, whenever we face obstructions in our lives, that's where most of us start. We we try to solve our own problems. We use human effort. We attempt to change things in our own strength. We work harder. We live better, eat healthier, exercise more. You know the kind of stuff. And none of these things are bad in and of themselves. We need to look after ourselves and take more care. But we face difficulties when we apply the same logic to God. We've all heard the kind of logic that people use. I I, I will try and be a better person. I'll work harder. I'm going to pray more. (laughs) I'm going to work hard to be a bit less sinful. Or perhaps if I could just stop doing that sin, I could be acceptable to God. I could find my way. I could talk my way in somehow. And we try all kinds of different things to move the obstruction blocking our path. And we run around the stone. We try to find another way. And before we know it, we're on course to try and save ourselves. What? Must I do to be saved? It's a question that comes up again and again throughout the New Testament where men and women are confronted with the reality of their own need and desperation. What can I do to remove the obstruction? How can I make this heaviness, this big stone go away? But you know, human effort, religious acts, vain hopes or intellectual arguments cannot save us. Money can't provide the solution. Our contacts and our avoidance schemes cannot provide a way. Nothing we do will ever be good enough to move the stone ourselves. So what is your big stone? What is your objection? What is blocking your way? What's stopping you from coming to Jesus? Now for the women... It was all about their weakness. They just weren't strong enough. None of us would have been strong enough to move the stone themselves. But you see, before God, we're all weak. Actually, the Bible says we're dead. (laughs) That's pretty weak. Dead in our trespasses and sins. As the Bible says, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's moral standards of right standing before him. You know, it's not enough that we haven't murdered anybody, we haven't stolen, we haven't abused someone, or any of the other of what we might uh, term the the, the sort of more serious sins. It's not enough to have tried our best, done good to others, given our money to charity, or just tried not to hurt anybody and live a good life. Not enough. We've all sinned in one way or another. We take, for example, the positive commandment to love God. To love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That means you love him with everything you have, with all that you are, with every breath that you've ever breathed, to love him, to prefer him, to put him above everything else in your life. Have you done that? Have you done that? Have you ever deviated from your love for God? Then you have sinned. You have sinned. You've fallen short of his glory. We have all sinned. And of course, even though we have been faithless, even though we have not loved perfectly, he has never for a moment stopped loving you. Not even for a moment has he wavered in his affection for you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. He's loved you. He's loved you. He's loved you. It says, the Bible says, we are loved with an everlasting love. That means it goes on and it goes on and there's a resource that can never run out. But we haven't loved like that, have we? We haven't even loved our wife or our daughter or our son or some other person. We haven't loved like that. It's not capable. We're not capable of that. But he has. He's loved like that. But we have fallen short. And so this rock, this rock of sin, will eventually kill us. So the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And no sinner ever gets into heaven... Unless we're able to acknowledge our sin and ask for forgiveness, do you need the rock of sin to be removed from your heart today? What is your stone? What is your stone? And for the disciples, so that was for the women, but for the disciples, it was about their disappointment and fear. You know, the, the disciples, they had such great expectations of Jesus. They knew he was the Messiah. They'd had the revelation of it. He was the one who'd come to deliver them from their oppressors. He was the king who'd come to rule and his kingdom would rule all other kingdoms and that they would reign with him. But they'd seen him humiliated. They'd seen him beaten half to death, abused, publicly stripped, naked. Spat upon, ripped to shreds, hung on a cross, treated disgracefully. And the only crown this king wore was a crown of thorns that was pressed down brutally onto his head so that the blood came out and it ran down his face and congealed till you could hardly see his face. And then he died. And the hero, I mean, what is it like when you meet your heroes? They ask that question. When you see the clay feet of your hearers, they say it's the most disillusioning thing. But Jesus, the true hearer, the hope of Israel, had been humiliated and they'd seen such weakness, such pain, such failure in their minds. And they were disappointed with him. They were disappointed with themselves. Why couldn't we have stood next to him? It was because we were afraid. And now they're locked away again for fear of their lives. They'd seen Jesus killed in such a horrible way. Was it going to be them next? Are they the next ones to suffer like that? Disappointment and fear. Is this you? Is this your rock? You may have been a Christian for years. Years and years. Even more than me. 40, 50 years, but you've got disappointed or fear has stopped you from doing what God put in your heart as a younger person. Or maybe you've just become a Christian and you've started to work out that not everybody's perfect. And you wonder about it. But he is faithful even where we are faithless. Can we trust him? Can you trust him even with your circumstances as they are now? disciples and then the pharisees for the pharisees it was all about their unbelief you know these religious men they had their rules they had the law you see and they were convinced that that would save them the law of moses you see moses was their savior and they didn't need anybody else they were so religious They were confident in their long prayers, their swishing robes that they wore, and all the trappings of religion, the respect that they were given in the community. They fear the fear that they ruled others with. Who was this Jesus? Who was he? He may have healed some people, but we don't know how he did it, did we? What trickery did he use? And by whose authority must be some kind of deception? They call him a prophet, but how can he be from God? He doesn't look sound or or, or feel anything like we expected. We don't believe he is who he says he is or that he came from where he says he came. He even calls God Father. How audacious is that? So they rejected him. They handed him over to be crucified, but arranged for some soldiers to guard the tomb just in case. Well, we wouldn't want him to rise from the dead, would we? We wouldn't want him to get out of that place. Or we wouldn't want the disciples somehow to fake it and make it look. But just in case, we're going to put some soldiers there. The rock for them was that of unbelief. A refusal to believe. They hardened their hearts to Jesus. They killed him and they wanted it kept that way. That rock has to stay in its place. And religion does that. It keeps you from relationship. The rules keep you from relationship. It makes it hard for people. It keeps them out. Keep the rules. That's the message. Who needs faith anyway if you keep the rules? Three big stones. There may be some more. Three big stones. Weakness and sin. Fear and disappointment. Unbelief. Brought on by religion. How about that? Unbelief brought on by religion. What's your stone? What's your stone? And who will move your stone? (laughs) Who will move it? So by now it says in the passage in Mark, it says that the ladies had arrived at the tomb. And to their astonishment, they found that someone else had got there before them. Just as they were about to walk around the corner, there was a violent earthquake. It shook the place, and an angel came down from heaven and moved the stone just before they arrived. He also sorted the guards out. As they came around upon the tomb, they found the men lying on the floor like gibbering wrecks. So terrified were they of this angel who was just sitting there, just chilling. What's up, ladies? <laughs> sitting on the tomb stone as he was. I don't know why he was sitting there, but he seemed like a really cool angel. Mark chapter 16, verses 4 to 8 go like this. But when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were terrified. Ever seen a miracle that's terrified you? Ever encountered God like that? Ever known his presence like that? Ever been unexpectedly caught by surprise by the king? The stone was rolled away because he had already risen. The stone was rolled away, you understand, not for Jesus' benefits. We can see from a later passage that in his resurrected body, he could walk through walls. He didn't need the stone removed for him. The stone was rolled away for the women. His stone was rolled away for the disciples so that they could see that the tomb was empty. <laughs> Isn't God good? Did you know he likes to surprise us? Surprise! <laughs> it's empty. <laughs> the stone couldn't block their path because Jesus was no longer dead. He was alive. As the angel goes on, he's risen. See the place where he's laid. He's even folded his grave clothes, mums. (laughs) What a good son he is. He's not here right now, if you'd like to leave a message. You kind of almost get that feel, don't you? But you don't need to wait long because he's gone on ahead of you. He can't wait to see you. He's already run ahead to the disciples. This is what Easter is about. There's no longer any stone, any sin, any threat, any intimidation, any accusation, any excuse, any failing, any power, any angel, any demon of hell that can any longer separate us from his love. There is nothing in this world or in the other world or in any other world that can keep us from relationship with him. There's no sin you can commit. There's no hurt you can commit. There is nothing, nothing, nothing. I can't think of any other example. There's nothing. There's nothing. So you're sitting there and you're on the other side of the rock and you think, I can't get there. Yes, you can. There's nothing. However old, young, or whatever you are in between. Any barrier that was between us has now been torn down. It says that even the curtain in the temple was ripped so that we could come into the very holiness of God and encounter him and see him and worship him face to face. Any stone that comes between us has now been removed. Any resistance that remains, we can be assured will be removed, but is not by my power or by yours, but by his. And we stand assured of all the supernatural intervention that we need because that's what Easter is about. That's what the hope is about. There's nothing that can stop us coming into relationship with him. What must I do to be saved? Just believe. Just believe. Yes, that's simple. Really, is that all I have to do? Don't I have to do a Bible course? There's another guy who was saved in the church two years ago. He says, surely, don't I need to do a course or something before I can become a Christian? No, just believe. Just believe. Don't I need a certificate or something to say I'm a Christian? No, just believe. Surely I've got to do something. Well, you can serve in the church if you want, but you don't even have to do that. Just believe. Oh, so simple. And this is the answer that the Bible consistently gives. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You don't have to do anything to be saved. No human effort is involved. Just believe. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. That's the simplicity of the gospel and you will be saved. Well, who will remove the stone? Who will remove the stone then? Who will heal or restore me? Well, the Bible says that he who has begun a good work in your life will complete it. He himself will do it. He has provided the solution to every stone that could keep us from him. He took our sin on himself. He paid the full penalty of it. He died and was buried, leaving death and sin where it was meant to be, where it was meant to be buried, buried in, in the ground, left in the grave. Who will deal with my particular stone? Well, I just want to say this. He is not afraid of our fears or our disappointments. He's not even intimidated by our unbelief. Bring those things to him. Tell him about them. He won't even be surprised. He knew that in our lives we would face trouble. He warned us about it. He said that some of you will suffer, even die for your faith. He's not surprised. He knew that some of us would even get disillusioned. Some would even fall away. He even experienced this himself. Do you know that during his time on earth, more disciples left him than joined him? And the question for you is, will you trust him with your stone? With your big stone. Will you follow him anyway? Even if it gets tough. Even if it gets tough. Even if it means suffering. Even if it means trouble, pain, misunderstanding. Will you trust him anyway? Will you trust him that he knows what is best for you? Even though it's very hard for you at the moment. Well, stones are. Stones are hard. Look, I don't know what your stone is. I hope I've I've done my best to try and unpack this. All I know is that as I was preparing this message, the Holy I wanted to do a different, safer talk today. Just a nice kind of, it's Easter, guys. Easter bunnies, you know. (laughs) Be happy. But as I was preparing this message, the Holy Spirit just kept saying something to me. He said, I want to move some big stones this week. I want to move some big stones, and I would rather do what the Holy Spirit says and go with Him. If that's okay with you, you need any stones moving? You need anything shifting? Will you let Him do it? Will you let Him? Will you let Him come on? What comes between you? Your fears, your disappointment, your pain, your disillusionments, the sin that you just can't move on from. You know, even Christians have been. Christians, for so long, there are things that we get stuck in. It becomes a rock and a hard place for us. It undermines us. Will you let him even take that? Will you let him touch that today? The issues of forgiveness that plague you, will you let them go? Will you allow him to come to you and take the weight, the burden of that heavy rock upon your heart and set you free? The Bible says that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you need to forgive yourself? Do you know that is one of the the commonest rocks that stumble Christians? You can forgive everybody else because you're so gracious, but when it comes to forgiving myself, I'm very hard on myself. I'm legalistic with myself. Will you forgive yourself? Some of you have got a, like a heavy weight on your heart at the moment. This rock is crushing the life out of you. The flow of your fountain, the fountain of life in your heart has got all blocked up. <laughs> Will you let him remove it? Will you let him heal you? Will you trust him again as you trusted him that, that first time? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Will you trust him again? Will you let him heal you? And for those who haven't met Jesus yet, I just want to say this to you. He loves you. (laughs) The Bible says that the motivation for the cross was that God so loved the world. He so loves us that he sent Jesus to die in our place. The cross shows this. It's even like the picture of the arms spread out. I often think maybe it's disrespectful. I don't know, but I feel like Jesus saying, Everybody, do you want to hug? Do you want to be embraced? Look, here I am. Will you come to me? That's the invitation. There forever, crucified from the foundations of the world, with his arms stretched out, we receive His love, the love of the Father, demonstrated through Jesus. I'm so God, glad that God is a God of love. Are you? I'm so glad He loves us. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. I want to invite you to come to Jesus. Not to delay. Don't leave it too late. Uh, This experience with this this man who came to Christ in those last moments has impacted me. and he, He left me with a commission. He says, go and tell everybody about Jesus that I found. Go and tell all of my family, he said, because I haven't had the opportunity to tell. Will you tell them on my behalf? You didn't know the story of Lazarus in the Bible. Such an urgency! Come to Jesus. I just feel like some of the young people today don't don't put it off. Don't wait until you're older. Don't wait until things are a little bit clearer. You know, I want to see what my options are. Don't wait. There's an urgency. Come to Jesus. Don't put off the decision. Don't wait till there's a more convenient time because the reality is that convenient time may never come. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today. Make the decision today. You can work everything else out later, but make the decision today. Jesus, you're going to be my Lord. You're the one I'm going to obey. Even through difficulties, even through disappointment, I'm going to follow you anyway, wherever you go. Jesus said to his disciples, he says, I haven't really got much to offer you. I haven't got a bed to lay my head on. I haven't got much food. If you want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself and come after me. The invitation is still the same. It would be so good if Jesus said, look, if you come after me, I'll make you really rich. And you'll have a really comfortable life. It would be easier, wouldn't it? Some people distort it like that. He says, but when you get to heaven, you'll be reigning with me. There'll be no sickness. There'll be no dying. There'll be no suffering. That's why we long for it. It's inbuilt in us.